You are listening to Inspired Caring with Michelle Magner, episode number 143. Hello, welcome to Inspired Caring. I'm your host, Michelle Magner. If you are caring for an older family member, this is the podcast for you. Each week, I bring insight, tips, inspiration, and strategies to help you care for the people that you love without losing yourself along the way. Having cared for both of my grandmothers, I've helped manage everything from hospital stays, households full of belongings, to navigating senior living and end-of-life care. And I've worked in senior living as a result of that experience, serving my residents and their families as they've been on this journey too. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Inspired Caring. Hello, everyone. Hope you are doing great. It is February 2nd. I love this date, 2-2 of 24. It is very aesthetically pleasing for me. I need to go out and look up numerology, what it all means, because I don't know, I just take delight in seeing those numbers um, lined up like that. So today, as we step into February, first month is under our belt, I have been thinking a lot as we are making plans for our life and thinking through what we want to create this year. I've been thinking a lot about our parents and in terms of our parents to make plans, not promises. This is something that I see time and time and time again, trips so many people up. It is where a lot of discord happens. It's where a lot of feelings of frustration and sadness and guilt come into play because people have made promises they simply cannot keep. So we want to make plans, not promises. And things often start with just this really beautiful, loving intention of what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And then as the burden of care increases, caregiving strain increases. And if we don't have other interventions for helping already predetermined and layered in, it just becomes the perfect storm for you, for your loved one, for the family, because things change things change. Like that is the bottom line. This is not, this actually isn't linear. This is not static. This is very fluid. There's a lot of movement in how this is going to play out in the future. So we want to make plans, not promises. As someone's health declines, it becomes harder and harder to take care of them. Period. End of story. Where you start right now, where you started a year ago, where you are today is not where you will end up. Most of the time, people do not just wake up dead. They just don't. It is usually a slow, slong. (laughs) That's like a new word. Slong. Slow and long road especially if we're talking about a chronic illness um, and just decline, just biological aging. So just remember that things are going to be constantly changing. And I've heard people say, 
this just isn't what I had in mind, or I didn't think this would be this hard. And they begin to feel resentful because it's not what they signed up for. And just to give yourself some compassion and grace, because a lot of times, again, where you are right now, it is not what you signed up for, right? Things have changed. Things have progressed. You are not a professional caregiver. Like there are actual trainings and classes that people go through to learn how to become a professional caregiver. And I think just as things are moving and shifting and changing in our country, we need to make sure we have more accessibility to those types of classes to make it easier on us when we are trying to care for someone while they're still in their home or in our home. But right now you are, or maybe not a professional caregiver. And so you're just not equipped to help with this level of medical care or this layers of emotion, these layers of emotional strain. And just to remind you, like you have a soul too. You have a purpose in this world too. You have limits and you have a nervous system. I was listening to a business podcast and she was talking about growing your business at the rate that your nervous system could keep up. And to me that just, first of all, landed as an entrepreneur and business owner, that every challenge I'm taking on and everything I'm stepping into, like my nervous system, it takes a minute for it to catch up as I step into this new, these new roles, this new becoming of me, but it's when people feel stuck or their nervous system is shot and they feel like there are no options in place. That is when things get really emotional and things boil over. So we're going to talk through today, three things I highly, highly recommend. I wish I could write you a prescription for this. So you actually take this and sit down and do it. Um, we're going to talk through each of these things. The first is being clear on what you can and will do. The second thing is identifying your deal breakers, those things that you can't or won't do or limits that of what you will do. And then be very specific in outlining your next steps. If those deal breakers or limits have been reached. So going back to being clear on what you can and will do, understand what this is for yourself. And part of that is knowing yourself, right? When you know your love languages, your core values, your Enneagram, your Gallup strengths, your disc, all of those things help you know like what you're good at and what you're strong at and what you're willing to do and what you enjoy. I think it's important to get curious about when you're thinking and understanding for yourself, what you will and won't do, like where, what are the thought processes and where are those things coming from? What is the history behind that thought? Is it because of an experience that you witnessed within other family members? Is it because of something that you personally experienced? I think sometimes it's easy to identify these things because of the circumstances that you're in on what you will and won't do, but sometimes they are more fuzzy. 
So sometimes it's easy to identify these things because of the current circumstances of, of what your situation is. And sometimes it's just more confusing. Not every parent wants their child helping them with the toilet and bathing. My mother has made it unequivocally crystal clear. I never want you and your sister to do that for me. I am not comfortable with that. I don't want you to do that. And so that is something that she doesn't even want our help with. So being clear also from their perspective on what they do and don't want you to do is really important. Not every child is able to block two hours on the weekend to go be at their folks house to do chores or food prep. Not everyone is available to be able to stop by on a daily basis. So you need to be really clear on what you can and will do. Some of us live apart. My mom is in Canada and my dad and stepmom are in California. So I am currently unable to make monthly visits into their homes. So when you're thinking about your list, your, your clear list on what you can and will do, think in terms of time, money, energy, bandwidth, nervous system capacity, your emotions, your strengths. Sometimes you have all of these things, like you you have all of those things. You've got the time, the money, the bandwidth, your nervous system is fine, your emotions, this is all in your wheelhouse. But the pain of watching your family member decline feels like it is just taking you out. That is enough. That is enough to change direction, to make a shift, to add an intervention. So one of the things very specifically I want to bring to your attention is when a parent says to you, don't ever put me in one of those places, smother me with a pillow instead. We're making plans, not promises. Absolutely do not promise them anything. You have no idea where their disease process is going to take them. The last time I checked, murder is still illegal in every single state. You have no idea what your health, marriage, job, kid situation is going to be like in the days, weeks, months, years ahead. So when a parent makes a request like that of you, we want to make plans, not promises. And don't just laugh and fluff these comments off because I assure you, when it comes time to have to make a decision, the guilt of this broken promise is going to chew you up. It's going to chew you up. So in that moment, when they are asking you to make a promise of something that you potentially cannot keep, instead say something like, actually, let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Our goal is for you to stay at home for as long as possible. But if it becomes physically impossible for you to stay in your home, or it is clearly unsafe, Let's have a plan in place for what that could look like and what we're going to do. 
So I know this is not going to come as a surprise to you, but sometimes people who are living with dementia do not realize they have dementia. Sometimes people who are hobbling around their house, I'm like envisioning my father-in-law while he was undergoing cancer treatments and it was just so hard on him and his body. They don't realize that they are using every surface to stabilize themselves as they're walking from room to room. So we're, we're making plans, not promises. The first thing is again, being clear on what you can and will do. And we have to have a layer of reality in here as we're having these conversations and being willing to be uncomfortable with it. I talk a lot about this in various episodes and online. So number two, identify the deal breakers or things you can't or won't do. So just thinking through what is that thing that would absolutely put you over the edge? And I can assure you, your core values have all been triggered. Your Gallup strengths are not being supported. Your love languages are not being met. It's somewhere in that wheelhouse, thinking in those terms. Just think generally about your relationships in your life. Like what are your deal breakers with your friends, your partners, your job? If you had a partner that cheated on you, would you stick around? Like that's not necessarily a deal breaker for everyone, but like we have these deal breakers already in other relationships we need to be thinking about in these terms too. What if your boss wrote you up for something you don't feel like you did, or you just don't agree with it? What would you do? What if your friend was constantly so late to get together and you often found yourself waiting for up to an hour or more for them to arrive? Would you keep scheduling time with them to hang out? Would you change where you're meeting? That would feel more comfortable. I just, I think people flippantly speak in absolutes. I will always yada, yada, yada. I would never blah, 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 blah. Be careful. <laughs> if you use this language, listen to what you are saying and find more clarity around it. So we have deal breakers in other areas of our life. We're just weaving it through to this area. In terms of your family member, what are the things that you can't or don't want to do? Again, my mother has said, no one is toileting me or bathing me that I am related to. Not a chance. This could be because of that time factor of why you can't or won't do something, your values, alignment, energy, belief systems, desire. I just want you to feel supported that any of your deal breakers are reasonable. They are okay. They are your deal breakers. It is a hundred percent okay to have a boundary and a limit. So any of the reasons that you say you will or won't do something, they just don't have to make sense to anyone but you. That's what we're constantly working on here together is for you to just feel really centered and grounded in yourself and your decisions and how you're approaching things. So it's okay if it doesn't make sense to someone else. We just want you to feel really good about it. We can try and explain and communicate 
but it's not always going to come through because we all have different thought processes and capacities. If someone else in the family thinks it is ridiculous that you refuse to do something, that is the space to invite them to take it on because your deal breakers are personal. Maybe it is having to manage all of their money. Like at the point that they can no longer pay bills and finances, you're like, that's it. I'm out. Like that is, I'm not good at that. I don't want to do that. That is a deal breaker where you're going to be weaving through some additional support. Maybe it's taking care of their pets because they're struggling to do it. Maybe it's having to figure out food for them daily. My father-in-law knew incontinence care was beyond what he could manage. And let's be clear, like that's a nice little sexy term, incontinence care. This is not just helping someone change a wet brief a couple times a day. When we're talking of when someone is incontinent, there is pee, there is poop, there is furniture and baths and carpets and bedding and sometimes walls. <laughs> there can be very reluctant participants. This is not like everyone is in agreement and on the same page that we're going to just get you cleaned up or, you know, there's just confusion and sometimes fear. Now, I don't leap too far ahead. If this is not the situation you find yourself in right now, I stay with me, hang in there with me. I'm just saying he knew his boundary. He knew his deal breaker. When I was having my third baby, I had been driving 45 minutes across town, interstate driving to go see my grandma. She was in a nursing home. Um, and I knew that by the, with this third kid, like that just wasn't going to work for me any longer because I was trying to get over there once or twice a week. So even within the same city, I called my mom and I said, we need to get grandma closer to me to allow me to have shorter and more frequent visits because me going over there and hanging out for two hours, it's not really working for either of us anymore. Like she was falling asleep. I would sometimes fall asleep. I'd crawl in bed with her and I would take a nap. She would watch the baby. So there was a, a deal breaker for me. The third kid, that was it. I was like, I can't do this anymore. When people really get into trouble is when they are having to manage these deal breakers on a regular basis. And that's when they're feeling, that's when that feeling of like, I'm drowning begins. And that is when anger and resentment really start to escalate. So I assure you that there is a very solid chance that depending on your current situation, there is going to be a pivotal point when the care that they require or the things you're having to do to try and keep up, it is going to exceed where the situation started, what the current situation is. And these are your deal breakers. And that deal breaker switch is going to be triggered. The deal breaker switch. Think about a breaker switch. Okay. Fun little uh, visualization. That breaker switch, you have a deal breaker switch. Trademark pending. <laughs> Okay, next and finally, this is, it can be complicated and it can be easy. We're outlining the next steps of what interventions are going to be layered in when the deal breaker switch has been flipped. So this is when we are really trying to avoid a crisis because in my experience, people don't discuss their deal breakers and make a plan. 
there's a lot of denial and avoiding and thinking certainly it would never come to this, but that is exactly where you find yourself. You need a playbook. You need a playbook. It is important to have next steps outlined because the strain of decision-making puts families in turmoil. My friend, Bill Cohen, he's a caregiver coach in the Pacific Northwest says, families can barely agree on ordering a pizza, let alone these <laughs> emotional life-changing decisions. And this strain of fast decision-making can generate a lot of feelings of guilt and sadness and confusion and anger. And like, I am really good at making a decision quickly and that can topple the apple cart for other family members because that is not their process of how they make decisions. So we need those deal breakers to be clear so that we can just go to the playbook. So if someone has a diagnosis, of a certain disease state, we know that there are some general trajectories of what to expect. Um, if someone is undergoing treatments, we know we can anticipate side effects happening and we want to be thinking about how are we going to be managing those. Side note, incidentally, stay with me on this. I have never understood why when someone has a diagnosis, they don't immediately get a referral to palliative care because if someone you love is undergoing cancer treatments or some other treatments, you want to have that palliative care referral right now. Palliative care is not hospice. Hospice is when someone has roughly six months to live. Palliative care is helping someone manage their pain and their symptoms and the side effects while undergoing treatments. So they're helping with all of those side effects of the treatment. And so the quality of your life can be better while you are getting better. I actually did a whole episode on palliative care and hospice and the differences. So that's just a little side note. Don't be, a, don't be scaredy. Don't be afraid of palliative care. That is a service that is provided to help you be comfortable while treatments are being received. So thinking about your playbook and your immediate next steps, it's like when you stop at a stoplight at the intersection and the light turns green, we know the immediate next step is to put our foot on the gas and go. Wait three seconds because people are wild with running red lights. When a pot of water is boiling, our immediate next step is to put the pasta in the pot or turn the water off. So be thinking in terms of things with your folks, what you're doing right now, where maybe the trajectory of where things are happening and what would be some immediate next step triggers. So like if three falls occur in the home, it's time for the life alert button, period. That's what we're doing. That's what we agreed on. If you are having to go over to their home four times a week and that four times a week was your max, your limit, now it's time for home health to come twice a week, period. That's what we agreed on. When you feel uneasy after your last couple of phone calls, like you hang up and you're like, something does not seem right. That is when you're getting in the car to go see them, scheduling that or buying a plane ticket, period. That's what we agreed on. Be specific. 
be specific so you know what to do next. And also be flexible because if you bump up against something and you realize, you know what, this isn't as big of a deal as I thought, that's fine. That's fine. Move, move the, uh, the, the needle, the pylon, the marker, whatever it is, move it a little further down the road. But I really want you to be clear on what that next thing is. And the reason why is this is where families start imploding and drowning is they, they keep nudging it, nudging it, nudging it forward without putting in a layer of help or an intervention. And then all of a sudden it's like you look up and it's the crisis and you're drowning. So if you're going to move it, be clear on the next deal breaker. And sometimes with being flexible, maybe instead of after two phone calls where you feel uneasy, it's like one, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. That did not go well. I'm heading up there. I got to go. This is where our three C's of caregiving come into play. You get curious and you communicate and you have compassion for both them and for yourself. And Lordy, 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 have a list and make a plan, make plans, not promises. I see you, you are doing a great job. I know that you are managing a lot and balancing a lot and doing a lot and you really are doing a great job. We're operating at the speed of information. So go make some plans and stop making promises. I love you. What I know for sure is that things are going fine until they're not. Everyone wants to stay in their home for as long as possible. And then there's a fall or a hospital stay or clear signs of dementia or a diagnosis and remaining at home becomes questionable or potentially impossible. It is super important that you are informed about what assisted living and nursing home care can offer and understand how to choose the one that will best fit the needs of your family. I know from personal and professional experience what objections are going to come up and how to navigate those conversations. You love your family member and you are doing a great job. It just feels like the situation is fragile. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop and you don't know what you don't know. Illuminating Senior Living answers all of your questions and walks you through step-by-step step each common objection and frequently asked question. This course will save you so much time and heartache. Imagine knowing exactly when it's time to move and ensuring the care and safety of your family member. Imagine knowing what specifically to be looking for in a care community and how to have the conversations about moving. Illuminating Senior Living gives you the roadmap so you're prepared. Click the link in the show notes, Illuminating Senior Living, to secure your video course today.